Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. I read a statistic the other day that the woman who gains a few pounds will always outlive the man who mentions it. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to communicate your word. I thank you that you watch over your word to perform. Your word will not return void, but will accomplish the purpose for which you sent him. I thank you that the prophet Isaiah said that stammering lips will speak fluently and clearly. I pray that I will speak clearly as I should, making the most of this opportunity. My conversation is seasoned with salt. Watch over your word. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray that we have ears to hear, hearts to receive, to produce a harvest of righteousness in our lives. By the authority of Jesus Christ, I bind any deception, any distraction, any demonic disturbance from this auditorium so that your word will be glorified in our presence. In Jesus' name, amen. We are called confessors. As a believer in Christ, what you need to understand is your faith is established on the principle of making a confession of your faith. It's believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. That's how you are saved. You're not saved by works. You're not saved by what you do. You are saved by the confession of what you believe, what you believe in your heart. We worship the one true God. The God Yahweh, the God Hashem, the the name. Not everyone who uses the name God is worshiping the God that you and I serve. Just because they get up on an award show or they invoke the name and they say God or they uh, damn a God or whatever, they're not referring to the God that you and I serve. And listen, not just... When someone invokes God, you need to know, name your God. I need to know the name of your God because you're representing a God that I don't know. I know his character. I know who he is. I know him as father. So I know that he is the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God who revealed himself to Moses, the God who, the God who danced with David the God who put words in the mouth of the prophets and the God who spoke his word and the begotten word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. The word of God manifested so that we could see him. This is how Abraham was credited to righteousness. He heard the gospel. The Bible says in Acts that that God revealed to Abraham the gospel when he was still in the Mesopotamian. And that in this revelation, Abraham was able to see that he would become the father of many nations. Abraham is the father of our faith. You and I are children of Abraham. We're co-heirs of Jesus Christ. But Abraham knew the God, the father that you and I serve, is the God who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they are. He is the God who spoke his word, and his word gives us life. 
I know that you're in John chapter 1, and in just a moment I want to get there, but Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. This is what the ancients were commended for, by faith. When you are... When you are operating in faith, you are going to declare it with your words. John chapter 1, verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not comprehended it. Look at verse 10. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Verse 12. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right, the power, the authority to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory and the glory of the one and the only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. What I want you to see immediately is that Jesus Christ is the manifested Word of God. Jesus is the Word in human form so that mankind could see God manifested recognize Him, be drawn to Him, and therefore be changed into His likeness. Look at this. First of all, you see that the Word is eternal. There was not a beginning with the Word. The Word has always been. The Word is eternal. He was with God in the beginning, and through Him all things were made. He is the begotten of the Father. Psalm 2, 7 says, You are my son, I have become your father. And then he says, Ask me, and I will give you the nations. Jesus turns around and says a similar blessing to you and I. In John chapter 16, verse 24, he says, Until now, you not ask for anything in my name. Then he says, Ask, and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. The Word of God is the begotten of the Father. The Word created all things. If you're going to have anything, you need to go to the Word of God. If all things begin with the Word, you need to begin with the Word. The Word is also the source of life. The Word is life. When you receive the Word of God, you are, you are literally receiving the nutrient of life. You're receiving the power of life because in him we live and move and have our being. So when you're reading the word of God, you're not just going through and reading history. You're not just reading fables and you're not just uh, involved in a religion. You are partaking of the substance that gives us life and breath. The word is illuminated. In other words, there in him there is no darkness. In the word is there is no darkness. In the word the, the, the light of the Word overcomes any darkness in your life. The entrance of His Word brings light. If you're feeling darkness, if you're feeling despair, if you're feeling depression, the best thing you can do is get the Word of God and take on some light. 
When you're dealing with the frustrations of this world, you can take on the Word of God and it will overcome the darkness. Darkness cannot overcome Him. Listen to me again because we're living in dark days. We're living in a dark culture. But listen to me. The light of God will always outshine the darkness of the enemy. When you enter into a room and there's darkness, you've seen it, you've done it. You enter into a room and it's like everybody, every head turns and looks at you and you're taking it personal. Don't take it personal. It is the anointing and the light of God on you that's taking over the room. The world didn't recognize him. Even though the world was made by him, the world did not recognize the word. He came to that which was his own His own did not recognize him. But those who did recognize him, those who did receive him, those who did accept the word of God, he gave the right to become children of God. It's really interesting in Mark chapter 6 when Jesus goes into his hometown and he astonishes everyone and they were offended by him. Isn't that amazing that we're living in a culture that's offended by the word of God? Whatever it takes to offend you is all it takes to defeat you. Wait a minute. My notes said you would shout amen. (laughs) Jesus was rejected in his hometown. And it's amazing to me. The Bible makes this statement that Jesus could not do but a few minor miracles. Everyone say minor miracles. You know, we're living in a day that we're no longer satisfied with minor miracles. We want the presence of Jesus and we want miracles to manifest in our lives. The Word of God is the seed that God has sown. When we receive the Word of God, you receive the incorruptible seed consummated by your heart, by faith, and you are reborn to a new creation. I I feel like somebody needs to understand this. You're not a fixer-upper. God didn't just come down and said, you know what, you need a little cleanup. I need to tear down some mold and I need to tear down this and I need to just give you a cleanup. I need to give you a facade makeover. That's not what God did. God said, no, I'm going to give them a new creation. I'm going to take what has fallen and I'm going to give them a new birth. You're not old things. You are a brand new creation. First Peter chapter one, verse 23 says, you have been born again, not a perishable seed, but imperishable through the living and the enduring word of God. You need to be able to make that confession every day. You need to lift up your hands and you say, Lord, I believe and I confess with my mouth, Jesus is Lord. My confession is true. I am born again. I'm born of incorruptible, indestructible word of God. The devil has no place in my life. He has no place in my family. He has no sickness or disease that can overcome the living, breathing word of God in my life. The word of God is manifested to glorify the Father. He is the expressed image of the Father. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I just want to pause here just for a moment. I, I, want to, I want to encourage you to not believe everything that you read on the theological pages of Facebook. 
those who have assumed doctorates and those who have positioned themselves as apologists. Listen to me. Not every fight is worthy of your calling. Proverbs says it this way, do not answer the fool. There are times when you need to realize that you can keep scrolling. You can go on to something that's positive because not everyone who invokes the name of God is representing the God that you and I serve. If I've seen Jesus, I've seen the Father. If Jesus wouldn't do it, the Father didn't orchestrate it. Jesus said, I do only what the Father told me to do. I am on assignment. I will say only what He told me to say, and I will say it in the manner that He told me to say it. Amen. How many of you get frustrated? Let's just be honest. How many of you get frustrated? How many of you will admit that you're frustrated right now? I mean, I can, I call it holy frustration. I cannot watch the news without talking back to it. By the way, I've won every single presidential debate. But I've learned to speak the word to the matter. I've learned to go back to my fact checker, which is the word of God. I want you to turn with Matthew chapter 8. In Matthew chapter 8, I want you to see something, a couple things real quickly. Matthew chapter 8, looking at verse 5. This is when a centurion comes to Jesus. And you've got to remember that a centurion is a Gentile, which means he is outside of covenant relationship with the God of Israel. He is a Roman. He is a... Uh, in society, a man of stature, a man of influence, a man of education. And he has servants. And he comes on the behalf of one of his servants that is in uh, real pain. He's suffering. And the centurion comes to Jesus and he says this. He says, Lord, my servant lies at home, at home paralyzed and in terrible suffering. Jesus says, I will go and heal him. Now, here's the problem with that. If Jesus goes into the house of the Gentile, then all of the Pharisees will have a mark to, against Jesus and will attack him for doing such a thing because it was against the Jewish tradition for a Jew to enter into the home of a Gentile. This comes into play later, but this is very important. What the centurion says is, no, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. But then he says this, but just say the word. Everyone just say the word. And my servant will be, be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes. I say to this one, come, and he comes. And I say to the, my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was astonished. And he said to those following him, following him, I've not found anyone in Israel that comprehends, understands faith like this man. Let me ask you a question. Did the centurion ever mention his faith? He only mentioned that I am a man under authority and I say to this man, go. Here's what the centurion understood. He said, I'm a man under authority. Therefore, I have the authority to give direction. 
And he says, I understand you're the same way. All you have to do is give the command. All you have to do is give the word and my servant will be healed. It's amazing to me that a lot of people truly don't believe what Jesus said. Jesus said, it's better for me to go away to the Father so that we can send you the Holy Spirit and be with you. Let me ask you a question. Just reason with me just for a moment. If we knew that Jesus was personally in the flesh going to be the guest speaker next Sunday, what do you think would happen in the Tennessee Valley of Alabama? Do you think you would have seats available? Do you think that you would have parking available on all of the... you think the cornfield would be filled with corn? There would be trucks and trailers and RVs and there would be lines and there would be mass confusion because people actually don't believe what Jesus said. He said that when we get together, that you and I are sacred space with the Holy Spirit. And I want you to know, by the Spirit, Jesus is manifesting His Word together when we come in a room corporately worshiping Him. I believe that Jesus is true. And I believe that His presence is here. And I believe that the same power that this centurion believed in His Word is also manifested in our lives. I believe the Word of God. Amen? Here's what the centurion understood. He understood that authority is in the command. So in other words, I don't have to have the physical presence of Jesus. I just have to have his word. I don't have to have the physical presence of Jesus. I just have to have his word. His word has the same authority and power because his word is eternal. His word is the beginning. His word is the light. His word is everything. Let me show you another instance. Matthew chapter 9, verse 20. Matthew chapter 9, verse 20. Here's a woman that has been bleeding for 12 years. She is an outcast of society. She knows this. She knows that she cannot touch Jesus. She knows that she cannot get his attention. She knows that in the crowd she cannot uh, take, uh, scream and holler out. But she says to herself, I love what this says. She says to herself. How many know sometimes you got to speak to yourself? She says to herself, if I can just touch the hem." Of his garment. She never actually touched the flesh. She just touched what was touching the flesh. She reached out. She didn't want his attention. She just wanted his authority, his power. And when she reached out, she touched him. And you know the story. Some of you have seen The Chosen. You know what happens, and all of a sudden, He stops and he says, who touched me? The disciples are looking at him like, are you kidding me? Everyone is trying to touch you. I find it amusing when I see people that are super fans of stars that can sing and whatever. And they just feel like they will be special if they can somehow touch 
that person. There's no virtue that's going to flow from Taylor into your life. There's no virtue that's going to flow from those people. There's nothing, there's nothing supernatural that's going to happen in your life if you reach out and touch them. This woman understood this. If I can simply touch the hem. And when Jesus felt the, the virtue and the power leave, withdraw from him, he stopped and said, who touched me? Oh, I wish I could spend about 15 minutes explaining to you that point. Because most people have this idea that Jesus only heals those he gets, that he gives his attention to. There's some really bad theology that thinks and teaches that, well, I know that God can, but he doesn't always do that. There's nowhere in Scripture that teaches that. The, the scripture says that everywhere that Jesus went, he healed the sick and he cast out devils. But it was up to a lot of people to reach out to him. And he was not even privy of the decision. He said, who? Who touched me? The woman sees that she can't go unnoticed she stands to her feet and admits it was me. And he says, woman, your faith. Everyone say your faith. Everyone say your faith. He's saying that it was the possession of her faith that made the withdrawal. He said, your faith has made you well. How many know sometimes you got to speak to yourself? Sometimes you got to speak life. You got to speak health. You got to speak freedom. If I'm going to speak life and health and freedom, there's going to be some things that I don't speak. Kay and I, in 1993, I read a book by Derek Prince, Blessing and Curses, and it had a profound impact on me. And I went to Kay and I went to my kids and I said, from now on, we do not speak curses in our home. Now, long ago, I gave up cussing. You know, when I got saved, when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, I gave up cussing. But there's still a lot of Christians that are cursing. Here's the difference. Cussing is just foul language. Cursing is invoking a curse upon yourself. Things like, quote, I'm sick and tired. Mm, that's driving me nut nuts. I must be crazy. I got my, I, I'm, I'm catching, I'm catching the flu. My whatever disease. My whatever illness. You're taking possession of that. I'm broke. Hmm? I hate. Are, are you with me? 
I could go on. I could find yours. So I told, I told my wife and kids, I said, from now on, we don't curse in our family. We do not say self-imposed curses. In fact, from now on, if I hear you say a self-imposed curse, I'm going to charge you $5. Out of your allowance, $5, and you only get five a week. If you catch me, I'll give you 20. My kids thought they were going to get rich. How many know that if it costs you immediately, you'll stop saying stuff? I mean, it changed our vocabulary. We stopped saying curses and we started speaking blessings. Amen? Years later, I mean years later, I was, I, I don't know what, I was lazy, I don't know what happened, but I slipped, I said something. And I, I, my daughter got up out of the conversation, didn't say anything, she got up out of the conversation, went, she went to the computer and she typed out an invoice. <laughs> she printed it out and brought it down and she said, in our family, we made a vow that we would not, and I mean, she did it professional and everything and at the bottom line and she told me how much it was and told me how I could pay the bill. <laughs> Gave me her, uh, you know, cash app or whatever. I'm telling you, it will change your life when you begin to watch over your words. Because God watches over his word to perform. You need to watch over your words. Because listen, you will never trust your prayers if you will not trust your commands. I learned that teaching my children. I learned that they'll never trust my promises if they will not trust my commands. So if I gave them a command, they had to know that I would watch over them. Amen? Children will only obey you if they have to. Amen. I didn't mean to get into parenting. Now watch what happens. Go with me to Matthew chapter 14. This is, this is it. This is, this is where we're going to come in for our landing. Matthew chapter 14, look at verse 35. We'll start at verse 34. Matthew chapter 14, verse 34. Are you there? Say a big amen. When they had crossed over, they landed at um, Generaset. And when the men of the place recognized Jesus, remember, remember when the word came, he had to be recognized? When they recognized Jesus, they sent word to all the surrounding country. Now watch this. People brought all their sick to him and begged him to let the sick just touch the edge of his cloak. And all who touched him were healed. Where did they get the idea? Where did they get the idea that if I can just touch his cloak? Revelation 19.10 says, For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. When they heard the testimony of the woman with the issue of blood, when they heard that testimony and all of a sudden people begin to spread around in the regions and the, na- and the nation, they begin to hear this testimony. You know what? There was a woman 
that was bleeding for 12 years. She spent all of her money on doctors and she got no better. She was hemorrhaging for 12 years and, and she didn't even get the attention of Jesus. She just reached out and touched the hem of his garment and that spread and that spread and that testimony and that testimony. All of a sudden there comes a moment when testimony becomes a prophecy. There comes a moment when, when you're telling a, the story of what God has done for you, it will prophesy for somebody else. And these people begin to hear, listen, I, I may not deserve to touch him, but if I can just touch his him. I heard about the centurion who's not in covenant, and yet his servant was healed. I heard about a woman who got healed when she was bleeding. I heard about a daughter that died, and she was 12 years old, and she was resurrected. I want you to know that the testimony becomes a prophecy. I want to ask you if you've ever actually manifested healing from the Word of God in your life. Let me see your hand. Stand to your feet. If you've raised your, if you raise your hand and you've experienced healing, physical healing in your body, stand to your feet. Make a testimony. Let the redeemed say so. Okay, I want you to look around. You've been healed in your body. Let me see your hand. Wave, wave. Give a wave offering to the Lord and just say, I've been healed. I've been healed. I'm a testimony. Now receive the prophecy. Come on, come on. You didn't, come on. You really believe that? Okay, sit down. So you just saw half the room give a testimony of the supernatural manifestation of the Word of God healing their body. So if you need healing right now, raise your hand. If you, if you have pain in your body right now, there's somebody with a lower back pain having a hard time even sitting in this room. Let me, let me see your hand. If you, if you need a physical healing in your body, you, you've been diagnosed with a sickness. Let me see your hand. If you've got right now a, a pain in your neck and a headache in your neck, raise your hand. Just go ahead and stand to your feet. If you need healing in your, in your body, just go ahead and stand. Go ahead and all over this room, stand. You need physical healing in your body right now. Stand up, stand up, don't hesitate, don't hesitate, because what we just testified is now prophesied. What we just testified is now prophesied. Raise your hand real high. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you that are, you, you that do not need prayer, I want you to stand your feet and go to somebody that does, has their hands raised up. Go to them right now and don't ask them a lot of questions. Just say, I believe in Jesus Christ, the manifest word of God to heal your body. Don't let, come on, we need some, we need some prayer partners over here. Don't let anyone with a raised hand not have, now pray the prayer of faith. Don't interview, just go and just speak the word. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray that the power of God would heal your body. And I believe it to be done now in Jesus Christ. Come on, raise your voice. Pray, pray. Now, if you are being prayed for and you have received healing, give away right now.
You believe you receive healing right now. Look at those that are waving their hand right now. In the name of Jesus, you received your healing right now in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. One time there was a man who who was blind, and Jesus prayed for him, and he said, what do you see? And he said, I see men, but they look like trees. You know what Jesus did? He prayed again. If you've not been healed right now, I want you to go ahead and wave, right? Wave. You say, I still have my pain. I still have my sickness. Wave right now. There's some right back back there, right here. Okay? Now we're going to pray again. Come on, surround these people that have faith. Surround these people that have faith right now. Pray in the name of Jesus. Father, in the, there's a couple back there that needs, that needs prayer partners. They're behind you. I need some people. Yeah, come on. Josh, you're right there, right there. That couple behind you. Right now, begin to lay hands on them right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I believe the word of God is true, and I believe that you will manifest healing right now in Jesus' name. Right now in Jesus' name. Give the Lord a shout of praise right now. A testimony is a prophecy. A testimony is a prophecy. How many of you, how many of you have experienced God's supernatural financial provision in your life? Come on, let me see your hand. Stand to your feet if you've received the supernatural financial miracle in your life. So what you're saying is God cares about the details of your life. All right, you can be seated. How many of you would be honest and say, I need a financial miracle in my life? My hand's raised on that. How many of you need a financial miracle in your life? Look at what I want you to see is everyone who stood experienced what you're going to experience right now. And I believe that God supernaturally is going to bring a wave of financial blessing to Calvary Assembly. And I believe that every family, every business is going to be supernaturally favored of God. I believe that you're receiving everything that you confessed with your mouth over your tithing. And I believe that when you tithe to heaven, heaven's network has been opened to you. And he is going to pour out a blessing of favor and open doors and witty inventions and concepts and supernatural miracles are going to come in. Jobs, many bonuses in the name of Jesus. You're going to receive checks that you never knew were owed to you. How many of you would testify that I was lost in sin? I was hurting. I was in pain. The burden of sin and shame of my life drove me to sedations. And I experienced all of the pains of addictions. And I 
I took drugs and alcohol and tobacco and sex and everything I could do to, that, to try to give me some type of value, but I was really wanting to just die a slow death. Addictions overcame me. If that's you, if you've been addicted but you've been set free, let me see your hand. Look at this. God sets people free. So if you're here today and you have an addiction to a drug, you have an addiction to spirits that come in a bottle, you have addictions to tobacco or whatever, I could go on and name all kinds of things. I could even name the buffet line. But whatever the addiction is, I want you to know that the spirit of Jesus, the testimony is prophecy. Those that raise their hand that they've been set free, they are free indeed. And you can be delivered right now in the name of Jesus. One more. You would say, I am a brand new creation in Christ Jesus. Jesus saved my life. If that's you, I want you to stand to your feet and give the Lord a shout of praise. Just like you've never done it before, just say, Jesus, you saved me. Jesus, you saved me. May you be seated. If you could not stand to your feet and make that praise, I want you to know that today is the day for your salvation. It is appointed unto man once to die. But you are also in this room because God wants you saved. You know, when I first went to church, I didn't understand it. All I knew is I needed Jesus. I went to one service and the pastor gave an altar call and he kept giving an altar call and he kept giving an altar call and I didn't respond. I went to the next service and the pastor gave an altar call and he kept giving an altar call and I didn't respond. Now I knew that I was the only sinner in the room. I knew that I was the candidate and everyone was looking at me. I was notorious in my little town. They were surprised I was in the room. They thought I was going to be the one. The third service I showed up, the pastor kept giving the altar call and I didn't respond. So he left the pulpit and he walked out of the pulpit and he walked back to me and he sat down beside me and he said, don't you want to be saved? I said, yes, but there's some things I've got to clean up first. He goes, well, you can't do that. He said, you cannot clean up your life. If you'll come to Jesus, he'll take over that. So that day I stood up and I walked down to the altar and I made a knowledgeable decision that I'm going to serve Jesus Christ. I didn't cry. 
It was so disappointing to the other people. They wanted me to cry. I didn't cry. I wasn't, it wasn't an emotional decision yet. It was a knowledgeable decision. I know I'm a sinner and I need to be a brand new person. And I made that confession of faith. Jesus is Lord. Now, have I emotionally expressed since? Yeah, like every day. Like every day, and the older I get, the more seasoned I get, the more I realize the miracle of it all. The miracle of everything. The miracle of my salvation, and I give God thanks. I say, God, I am so grateful that you saw me and heard me when I cried for you. If you're here this morning and you want the spirit of testimony to become prophecy in your life and you need to make Jesus the Lord of your life, raise your hand right where you are. I want to pray with you. Anywhere in this room, raise your hand. I want to pray for you. Yes. Who else? You want to make Jesus the Lord of your life? I know that the Holy Spirit, because I was praying specifically, I know the Holy Spirit is dealing with people this morning. And I know that the Holy Spirit's calling you to be saved. Not a makeover, not a fixer-upper. I'm talking the brand new creation. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. Raise your hand right now. I want to pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray that those that have raised their hands, those that have testified by the lifting up their hand that they're saved, we're all in agreement for those that are te- also saying that we need salvation. I'm asking, Holy Spirit, that you will do your work that only you can do. Make this confession of faith. I believe. Everyone in this room, say it out loud. I believe, I believe. the one true God, the one true God. Gave, us gave us his son. Known as Jesus Christ, the Word became flesh, lived a sinless life, died, but was raised again. Now I confess with my mouth what I believe in my heart. Jesus is Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. How many believe God is good? Pastor is coming right now, and I just wanted to remind you, uh, get this book, and it's donation only. Again, whatever you decide, I know you're generous people, and whatever you decide, it helps uh, advance the message of Five Star Man. But get this, if not for yourself, my son, when, when he saw the cover, I sent it over, to, and he said, Dad, it looks like a dark romance. I said, yeah, it's a very dark romance. He goes, I'm not sure men are going to want to buy it. They don't want to be seen with it. You know what? Get over it. Get it, read it, give it to a friend, a loved one. And I guarantee you it'll set them free in Jesus' name.
Thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can connect with us live each Wednesday and Sunday through our social media pages. If today's message has blessed you, please rate and review us so that more people can hear this message of Christ. Find out more about Calvary on our website at calvaryassembly.org.